is brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope and help to those lost in addiction. Rich and Susan are a husband and wife team who found grace and freedom from 20 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. They broke free from their bondage 15 years ago and are here to share their experience of God's power in recovery. God can change lives. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone. Welcome to Freedom to Choose. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. Susan, for those who may be tuning in for the first time, who are we and what is Freedom to Choose? Rich and I are recovering drug addicts. We use drugs uh, combined for over 50 years, about 25 years each, and um, for a very, very long time. (laughs) And Freedom to Choose is a program where we like to share with other people about our story and some ways to get out of addiction. I guess to sum it up, you'd say that this series, Freedom to Choose, is specifically designed to give hope and help to anyone out there who needs it. That's right, with any kind of addiction that anybody is struggling with. Very good. Susan, could you please open the program with a word of prayer? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, thank you so much for the privilege we have to be here We pray that you will work through us and in us to bless those that are listening at this time. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Susan. I'd like to begin today's program by telling a story. Um, You know, part of a recovery, uh, we need to do things for ourselves, for our health, to make ourselves feel better. And uh, one of those things we found is exercise. And Typically, my exercise program in the summer is to swim, but in the winter, in the fall, in the spring, I like to go for walks, usually in the afternoon and late afternoon. And across the way from our house is a lane that I usually go down. And um, one day, not too long ago, I was walking down the lane, and I was wrestling with a few things. And one of the things I was wrestling with, of course, was, uh, you know, when you contemplate the cross and what Jesus did there and how he conquered death and how he conquered the devil and he conquered this and he conquered that and you're thinking of all these things and then you look at the news and you see all of this stuff going on and I was kind of wrestling with God there Lord you know if Jesus did all this stuff at the cross why is there all this misery and pain and suffering and right about then the text came to my mind God is not willing that any should perish and right when that text came to my mind I saw this jackrabbit get up and run and I thought why is the jackrabbit running and I was impressed at that time I didn't mean him any any harm and here he was running from me I mean he took off leaving a little trail of smoke behind him and right at that point I realized that I was running from God and even ever since the cross man has been running from God and then the story of the prodigal son came to mind how he ran from his father and he woke up in a pigsty eating pig food and thinking about really how he didn't have it that bad at his father's and he came back to his father's but you know what the father was already looking down the road waiting for him 
And I thought, you know what? This story is not so much about this prodigal son as it is the father. Who's the happy person in the story? The father runs to him. He runs out to meet him. He throws his coat on him. He puts his ring of authority on him. He kisses him on the neck. He gives him his sandals. He throws a party for the guy. He's the happy one. And I realized that's what it's all about. Jesus did what he did, but we still run from him. We're not grasping what he's done for, for us. And he, we're not fully grasping what God wants for us in our lives. And God said, why did the rabbit run? You didn't mean him any harm. Why do you run from me? Susan, have you ever ran from God? Have you ever had that misconception of God? Have you ever been angry or scared? See, the jackrabbit was afraid of me, and I didn't mean him any harm. Why do we run? Well, I think it's because of our misunderstanding of who God is and what he desires for our life. I know that for me, um, I grew up in, in a religion that um, wasn't really so much about God as it was just religion, and I really didn't understand God. And at a very, very young age, I was sexually molested, and it wasn't just one time. It happened over and over again. And I was always thinking, if there is a God, how could he let these horrible things happen to me? I couldn't understand. I couldn't grasp the fact that if he was so powerful, why would he let this happen to me? And um, I just couldn't reconcile, you know, God with with the circumstances of my own life. And maybe that's why sometimes we run from God is because maybe we're angry with him and maybe we don't like the way things are working out and maybe we blame him sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. I blamed him because if he was all power, why didn't he protect me? You know, why didn't he take care of me? Why was I the one that ended up the way that I did? Because, see, when I was in kindergarten and the teacher said, Susan, what do you want to be when you grow up? I didn't raise my hand and say, I want to be a three-time felon, and I want to be in and out of jails and institutions for 25 years of my life. But that's exactly what happened. And because of the, you know, I look back today and I see the things that I think that led me into drug addiction, um, when I was sexually molested, I, I just felt that I could not tell anybody what was happening to me. I couldn't tell my mom and dad. I couldn't tell anybody. And so I kept these deep, dark secrets inside of me, and I felt abandoned, and I felt unloved, and I felt dirty, and I had nowhere to turn. And the more that I felt this way and the more these things continued to happen to me, I had this deep, dark hole inside of me. And at the age of 10, I decided that and I don't know if it was a conscious decision. All I knew was that I didn't want to feel and I didn't want to be who I was. You didn't want to be who you were. I didn't want to be who I was. I wanted to be something different. I didn't want to feel the pain. I didn't want to feel the shame. And, um, and the first thing that I started doing was I started smoking cigarettes. Now, at 10 years old, I certainly didn't go up to the store and buy a pack of cigarettes. So what I did was I began my life as a thief. You know, I began stealing cigarettes from my mom and dad or, or wherever I could find them. I would steal them, I'd sneak, I'd take them, I'd smoke them, and I'd hide everything. And, and the next thing that I did was I, I um, took alcohol from, my mom and dad weren't big drinkers, but they did have alcohol in the house, and I would take and I would steal the alcohol, and then I would fill the bottle back up 
so that they wouldn't know that, that at least I thought they didn't know that um, I was stealing the alcohol. And that's when I was 10 years old. And by the time I was in the sixth grade, I started smoking pot, marijuana. Um, by the time I was in the eighth grade, I started, um, I tried cocaine. And I want to make very clear right now that when I tell my story, it's not because I want to glorify the things of the past because there's really nothing that can be glorified about that. What I'm trying to do is to glorify God and how far he's taken me from the pit and brought me out. So, so when you so when you felt this way from the onset, you began some behavior to cover that up or to numb the pain, if or you will. To numb the pain. And that including lying, cheating, stealing. stealing. And then, of course, the drug. So it was a package deal. It wasn't just. And it wasn't. And it wasn't just only that because then um, it it got. I got to the point where I did whatever I had to do. So whether it was being more attractive to the opposite sex or um, being promiscuous, whatever I could do to not be who I was is what I did. And, um, you know, I used to lie just to lie. <laughs> you didn't have to, but it's just who you were, so it, you just lied. It just came out of me. That's right. But you know what? If you looked on the outside, you would have seen someone who was a cheerleader in high school on, you know, in all the athletics, looked fine on the outside, but on the inside, it was dying. I was just rotting, rotting from the inside out. By the time I was a freshman in high school, I was using cocaine um, on the weekends. And by the time I was a senior in high school... I was using cocaine every day. So you're a cheerleader. Right. You're getting good grades. Right. But you're on cocaine. Exactly. And you're tore up inside. You can't stand who you are because every chance you get, you want to change who you are by this other behavior that makes you somebody you're not. Exactly. Because I wanted to look like I didn't want people to know what had happened to me. I was trying to hide everything, everything that had happened to me. So I tried to put up this facade so nobody could see the real me. So there could be somewhere out there right now, a straight A student cheerleading in the band, doing whatever, and could be really have some deep, dark secrets. And who knows, maybe they're just a ticking time bomb. Absolutely. Especially with as the world is today, you know, it, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And there's all kinds of activities going on that we're not always aware of. Um, as I continued to make those choices, um, I just kept getting further and further apart from God. By the time I was 18 was the first time that I was arrested. Um, and I went to jail and I was in and out of three different county jails. And here I am 18 from from this small town, from this little hick town. And, and I find myself in jail and being strip searched and and told what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And I did not understand how I ended up where I ended up because all I was trying to do was I was just trying to get by. I'm just trying to to live just to make it day to day and survive with who I am and what I'm doing. And here now I'm in jail for this offense. And the only reason that that I did this was because I wanted to get in to use more drugs. That was my goal. That was my goal throughout my life was getting and using drugs. And um, I got into jail. And like I said, I don't know how, I don't know how this had ever happened to me. Um, you know, my mom and dad, they're, and you know, the, the other thing I want to say is that my mom and dad were good parents. They did the very best that they knew how, and I love them dearly. And, you know, they, they eventually bailed me out of jail 
and I went through all the court system and everything, and I thought if everybody would just leave me alone, then I would be okay. I mean, wasn't it my choice <laughs> to do whatever it is I wanted to? I wasn't trying to hurt anybody, even though I was stealing from them and lying to them and everything <laughs> so else. So who's everybody? Everybody, and including my mom and dad and the cops and my probation officer and the people that I worked with, and, and uh, I just wanted to be left alone. And I had this incredible opportunity with my mom and dad to to go to Hawaii. They were given a cruise, and my dad retired. And, and I went, and um, I got off the plane, and I thought, you know what? This is it. This is the place where I can come, and I can make new friends, uh, meet new people, just start a brand-new, fresh life. Because that's what I needed. You know, I, I needed to get away from my environment, from the people that were hounding me, from the cops, from my friends, you know, because my friends were bad influences. And, and I just needed to a fresh start. That's all. And what do you call that when you do that? That's called, in the talk, it's called a geographical. You did a geographical. I did a geographical. I went from California to Hawaii. Because, you know, I got over there, and then I decided, you know what, this is my opportunity. I'm, I'm going to come back. And so three weeks later, I packed packed up my belongings and I moved to Hawaii. The only thing is, is that I took myself with me. And when I got over there, I don't know, it's, uh, it's one of those things we hang out with the people that are doing the things that we want to do. You know, I, I always, when I'm talking with people regarding addiction, we're never hanging out with people that are doing something other than the things that we want to do. You'll find what you're looking for. Exactly. And that's exactly what I did. I found uh, within a couple of weeks, I, I began a relationship with with a man, and he happened to be a drug dealer, and was in that relationship for five and a half years. It, you know, all the things I swore I would never do, I did. Um, he physically abused me. I said I'd never let a man hit me, and that happened. And I completely lost my self respect. I had no respect, no self respect, and I did anything and everything throughout my whole history of drug abuse, whatever I had to do to get the drugs. And, and one day I woke up in Hawaii and I, and I went to a doctor and I said, you know, this man that I'm with, he really needs help. And she said, do you know that you're a drug addict? And I was so offended that she would make that suggestion. <laughs> I just recognized that, you know what, it wasn't going to get any better. And what I needed to do was I needed to move back to California. Another geographical. That's right, because that's where everything was going to be okay. Because, you know, my mom and dad were in California and my sister, and I knew that I could rely on them and that they would take care of me. And so I packed everything up, and, and after five and a half years in Hawaii, I moved back to California. Mm. So... You know, I uh, I started hanging out with with the wrong people once again um, because I found out if nothing changes, nothing changes, and and all that changed with me was my location. You know, my um, my head didn't change, my heart didn't change, and so I was looking for the same thing that I'd always looked for. Did you find it? Of course, I found it, but this time instead of um, doing. Because when I was in Hawaii, I graduated with different types of use of, of cocaine. And, and so I needed more and more to, you know, you, you make those choices and you just get further and further out on the edge. And um, I tried uh, methamphetamine, which on the street is called crank. And um, I thought this was the answer to all of my problems. Uh, I felt good about myself. I thought that I could get a whole lot done. And um, it wasn't so expensive, and 
then I started started smoking methamphetamine and uh, just kind of went down that track of using using crank and um, I met another guy and and uh, we were very good friends. We had the same goals in life, and that was getting and using drugs. Uh, we didn't eat. We didn't drink water. We basically did crank. That's all we did. Um, that was our goal. And he was a, he, it was a good partnership because that was what my goal was, too, was getting and using. I, uh, we were, um, I was in in, in a location with, with some family members that were using as well. And, and one day we heard the pound on the door and, and in came charging um, 25 DEA agents and sheriffs and police um, officers and with their guns drawn. And um, once again, I was off to jail. This time it was a little bit more serious because of my previous arrest. Um, I always hate to say this, but I always do that, you know, at the time, my dad was the mayor of the city that that this happened in. And um, I was in jail again. And I remember him, you know, me calling him and telling him that I was so sorry that I did this to him. And he said to me, Susan, you know what? Um, All I want is for you to get better. I just want you to get well. And um, I just didn't know how. All I knew was that from the time that I was 10 years old until the time that I was 35, all I knew was getting and using drugs. And um, this time it was a lot more serious. I had a, I was given three years, um, a prison sentence for three years, but they made a deal with me and they said that if you can stay clean and so we'll give you eight months. And if you can stay clean and sober after that eight month jail sentence, then you, you will be able to, um, we'll let you off on probation. Well, I got out on home arrest. I turned in a dirty test. I got out again. I turned in a dirty test. I could not stay clean. I would be going to my um, recovery programs, and it was four days a week, and I just there was not. I just could not stay clean. I had those habits, and that's all that I knew how to do. So I um, I went to um, my probation officer, and he said, "You know what, Susan? With your kind, you just need to have." some major treatment and I suggest you go into a a two-year treatment program either that or you have to go back to jail and uh, I didn't want to go to jail but I didn't want to give up two years of my life either so I decided to go back to jail and um, gotten got went into the court because I needed to turn myself in and uh, the judge said if I ever came before his court again I would be going straight to prison because I had gotten so many opportunities to get clean and sober ended up going to jail and, and into the minimum security part of the jail. And I had a woman that I was kind of talking to, and she said to me, Susan, why do you keep doing this to yourself? You just seem like a, you know, like a bright person. Why do you keep coming in and out of jail? And I said, I don't know any other way. I just don't. This is all I know. And she said to me, um, "Would do you mind if I pray with you? And I said, sure, you, you pray with me. And I don't know what she said. All I know is that from that point in time on, I've never had the obsession to use again. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And that's the power of God and the power of God alone. That's right. It was a it was a complete miracle because from the time I woke up until the time I went to bed, that's all I thought about. And now it was just gone. The, all those thoughts were gone. 
And so I recognized that, number one, God was the one that delivered me because I could never do it on my own. So I knew that he was the complete answer. And I was impressed that everything had to be different. Everything had to change. I had to do everything that I could to stay clean and sober, that my life depended on it. And so... um, I, uh, what did you start doing? I went to, I went to anything. I went to NAAA. Uh, I had people praying with me and doing all kinds of things. I did anything and everything that I could to stay clean. And the first thing that I did, of course, was I had to, to get rid of that boyfriend of mine because um, um, he was a bad influence. And I knew that if there was anybody that would never quit ju- drugs, it would be him. There was no way that he would ever give up. And so I called him and told him and um, I gotten out of jail and he showed up in my house and I told him, uh, if you don't leave, I'm going to call the police because I can't have you here. And that boyfriend was me. And she did threaten me like that. And so I left and I went home and I took inventory and realized that everything I'd done in my life up to this point was wrong. And I can remember laying face down on my bed, screaming at the top of the lung, up top of my lungs for God to help me. And he helped me. He took the obsession to use drugs away also. And, and you know what the thing is? is he, he put in our heart that we did have the freedom to choose. That's right. We did have the freedom to choose, and we had to choose him if we wanted to live. Right. And so we made a decision that we were going to search for God as, as hard as we searched for drugs because he was the answer. That's right. And so, um, Susan, as we wrap it up now, let's talk a little bit about our next program and and what we're going to talk about then and what we have as far as resources available and and what what we're going to do in the next uh 15 weeks uh of this program as we look at our workbook and things like that and well we have a workbook that's available at www.justasiamministries.com You can go there and order one of the workbooks, and it's a biblically-based workbook where we go through seven steps on how to get clean and sober and how to stay clean and sober. And Susan, what what led us into this? Into the ministry? What led us into this ministry and into the workbook? Well, we just realized, I realized that we had taken all of our lives, and it was time that we started to give back, and we were impressed that... Um, it's time that we let people know just exactly what God's power is truly about and how people can get freedom from their addictions. Any kind of addiction. Any kind of addictions, whether it's resentment or anger or food or, or gambling, whatever it is. God, doesn't desi- God desires us to have free lives. He doesn't be, want us to be in bondage. He wants us to live happy and healthy and hold our head up high in dignity as his sons and and his daughters and to have life and have it more abundantly that's who he is and that's what he desires for each and every one of us has your life changed since you came to the lord you know my life has changed incredibly um i said three things when i got out of jail the three things that i wanted is i wanted to stay clean and sober and i wanted to be to stay out of jail and i wanted to live those are my three goals in life, and God has answered those goals. They seem pretty simple and way back there now, but they were very important to you at the time, weren't they? They were very important to me. Stay clean. Stay clean. Stay out of jail. And live. And live. That's right. Wow. What an answer to prayer. Yes. Can you imagine that there are people out there right now that that might be the three main things that they hope for the most in life is to stay clean, stay out of jail, and live. 
totally amazing. It is simple, but it's not easy, is it? That's right. And, you know, we, um, my mom and dad struggled with, with me for 25 years in and out of jails and institutions and forever stood by me and were praying for me. And uh, don't lose hope. We need, to, we need to have hope for those that we love. That's right. So next week, we're going to talk about our workbook, and we're going to talk about the seven steps that are in the workbook. Acknowledge and admit, begin to believe, complete control, different direction, erase errors, forever forgiven, and God's grace. And what we'll do is we'll kind of fly over the top of the, uh, of the workbook, and then the following weeks to come, we'll get into the workbook, and we'll really take a look at things. And we just want you to remember, folks, as we go through life, that, uh, and I think Albert Einstein put it best, that you can only live life in one of two ways. One is if everything, as if nothing is a miracle, and the other is as if everything is a miracle. And remember, folks, you have the freedom to choose. Listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity and being overrun with the devastation of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials and have created a seven step biblically based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the addiction recovery book for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com as a nonprofit. They are blessed by people like you. 916-645-1297 or www.justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.